Hello, friends and enemies. It's episode 266 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. And, all right, right up top. Look, we, we've already got some messages about it saying, oh, Morozov got a new New York Times article out. I'm looking forward to the essay or the, <laughs> the episode about it. Uh, all right, we know. It's great. We read it and we loved it, but I'm going to put a pin in that because we got some bigger and better plans um, on that front in the, in the coming weeks. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say, but you know, this, this is, this is the, the requisite Morozov watch. We know we see it. We love it, but we're going to talk about that later uh, in a couple weeks. <laughs> but I do actually want to go on from there because, you know, this piece is about how like artificial intelligence is, you know, is neoliberalism by other means or in disguise, basically. It's like, yes, I, I think I think that is largely correct, especially if we trace back the histories of um, thinking about artificial intelligence to the kind of, you know, grandfathers of, 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 uh, of AI, um, the grandfathers of neoliberalism. And there's a lot of cross sections and interactions there for sure. So, I mean, just in terms of like the intellectual history of neoliberalism and artificial intelligence, um, those two things are, are, are coming up at the same time uh, with many of the same people interacting with each other. Uh, and, and there's a lot of cross-pollination. So it ain't as absurd as it might sound, although uh, Morozov did not, was not able to get into all of that in his New York Times piece. But it's, it's right there beneath the surface, if you know what you're looking for. But put a pin in that. We'll talk more about it in a couple of weeks um, on, 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 some other, on some other bullshit. So, but I wanted to go from there to... to Maybe do a little bit of a, a startup. I'll take a page out of Trash Futures book, and I want to I want to present a startup to you, Ed, and see if you if you've if you've heard the the news, if you've heard of it. I'm excited. It's called Inflection. Okay, never heard so of it. We are. I'll give you the the tagline. We are a blank studio creating a blank for everyone. A hole for everybody? I don't know. Like, what could it, what could it be? Um, a mirror? A, a crypto coin? A, a, a meat lab? A fake meat lab? Uh, an AI girlfriend? Oh, oh, um, getting oh, warmer there. I'm getting warmer. Getting warmer. All right, uh, I'll give you the 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 uh, another bit of the copy. Our first blank is called Pi, a supportive and empathetic blank. So it's so there's it's algorithmically mediated, right? De yeah, definitely, definitely that. So I'm I'm so, blanking out the the really key words here. Our blank is our they, tutor. They, they they say that their studio is made up of the world's leading developers, creative designers, writers, and innovators working together in a deeply multidisciplinary what? style to create a brand new class of digital experience. I'll throw myself off a building if this has something to do with AI art, like AI generative shit. Is this, <laughs> is this just making cultural products with algorithms? You are close. So it is generative. Uh, it's conversational. It's much more of an AI girlfriend than an AI uh, artist, though. So it's the full name of Inflection is Inflection AI, and they are creating a personal AI for everyone. Oh my uh, God. Our first AI is called Pi. 
PI, like 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 the mathematical number for, but it's but this time it stands for personal intelligence, and it's a supportive and empathetic conversational AI. I've seen that movie with Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> this is her. It is exactly that they are creating her. Um, but but it's not it's not just meant to be like an AI girlfriend. It's meant to be an AI everything for you, like an AI, uh, you know, a fucking like little AI Aladdin, like or AI genie rather. You oh, know, we love like AI Aladdin. Yeah, it's fucking like fo- following you around. It's it's your friend. It's your confidant. Uh, it's your, um, you know, genius in a pocket that you can have conversations with, learn from, um, you know, it, it's meant to be, a, 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 a little bit, a personal AI that you carry with you at all times. Just like, um, Andreessen wants, right. And that, in that piece about how AI is going to save the world. That's right. That's right. So it, you'll think, think her. Definitely, you know, absolutely think her, um, but think of like a more um, Silicon Valley version of her, uh, a, a more, a more, you know, yeah, like all, always in your ear. So I first heard of Inflection AI because I, I subscribed to one of the many newsletters I subscribe to for my job and the podcast is um, is the Crunchbase News uh, newsletter, and and I saw. In the Crunchbase newsletter, a headline said, AI funding explosion, inflection AI nabs $1.3 billion. I said, huh? Who is this company I've never heard of before (laughs) that has not a valuation of $1.3 billion, a fundraise of 1.3 billion that's they real money their valuation is four billion dollars so that's the fake money but the real money is um well a total of 1.5 billion they just they only just got 1.3 in this uh, uh latest venture round that just closed uh that that caught my attention it sounds like there's some lo- lonely folks in silicon valley that just need a fucking tga fridays to go to on friday and meet someone <laughs> yeah they need a third place i think if we had a third place the valuations would go down by 99 percent. you know ha- having the conversation with your partner to be like baby i'd like to introduce a third into our yeah. relationship I'd like to but you're talking other about algorithms. an ai <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't um, even know um this is my uh this is my this is my primary algorithm. Uh, <laughs> their name is Pi, and <laughs> been mm-hmm. I've been uh, been mediating my uh, my life with them for the past uh, eight nine years. I mean, also it's like what like okay. So I think one thing that I think also is interesting is there's always this assumption with embedded in all of these things that if we were to assign something to someone. Uh, some AI, no, we don't even have AGI, but even if it was AGI, if we assign something to them personally, all we have to do is build it right and it will open up the world to them. But I mean, why is there any idea that this would be built right in the sense of like something that's totally concerned with a human's 
maximal potential and flourishing and not like making them more amenable and legible to profitable activity because it's like every other algorithmic system that we have that follows you around can anyone honestly say that it improves their life unambiguously or that it introduces a lot of vectors for them for their lives to be complicated by right whether it's like so the uh, surveillance from social media companies like do you think that Facebook, if you just let it run rampant, I mean, it, we already, if we don't let, we don't want Facebook to run rampant around children or elderly let alone, and also adults because it just, it's so ripe and prone with misinformation. And that's Facebook, whether it's the blue app, whether that's Facebook as WhatsApp, whether that's Facebook as Instagram, the same with, you know, any of these platforms with Google and with its search, which is, you know, useless at this point, as well as with YouTube and the algorithm that we all talk about and understand is more or less a right wing, you know, as an incel generator um, and, an, and a right wing recommendation machine, right? So, like, what are we, why it's, I mean, I know why these people are, but why are other people entertaining this idea that if you just make it smarter, this algorithmic system will be different and it will be more attuned to what your needs and it won't like result in worse social outcomes that have better economic um, goals aligned with it. Like the idea that like you don't like, it doesn't have to align. Like you, there's a world where we are, we, there's a world where we're all worse off socially, but growth continues at a higher rate. Uh, where profit margins are fatter and juicier, where earnings are much more optimistic and and good, like those things, it, it feels a bit ridiculous to say, hey, like we'll just have this algorithm that'll follow you for your entire life, and it will make you the best person possible, and make us a lot of money, you know, like, and that's <laughs> gonna be good. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, that that's your idea of worse off socially, uh, you know, for a lot of people, you know, uh, higher productivity and higher margins is actually good for society. Uh, that's a real internet doesn't even give that's, productivity. That's, that's also the other thing. The internet and digital technologies don't even massively improve productivity. People, you know, we were Krugman kind of had like a little bit of a victory lap with a massive asterisk the other week about this, but like he predicted the internet would not massively like increase productivity, the growth of productivity. Aaron Beninoff has, has uh, Beninav has shown this also in his work, right? Krugman's work has gone on to show this. Jeffrey Sachs work has gone on to show this digital technologies did not make us massively more productive. And when there were productive productivity increases, they did not also lead to like this transformation of the economy that everyone keeps pretending is going to happen. And yet, well, th this has originally been called the uh, the Solo paradox, named after the economist Robert Solo, who who uh, famously said in 1987, "You can see the computer age everywhere, but in the productivity statistics." Um, and 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 that was you know the 1987 when he's like got computers everywhere but they but but productivity instead of going up uh paradoxically might actually go down um because of it we like despite advanced information technology and it does seem like everybody has been trying to outrun that um for the last you know 35 40 years um uh, uh, uh by by being like no 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 this time it's going to be different this time it's going to be different it's going to be more productive you're going to find more productivity. Although, of course, I mean, major asterisk there of like, you know, 
who the fuck says productivity is the metric by which we should be judging the the goodness of things or the value of things anyways but even if that's the metric we use uh, it ain't bearing out um the the inflection ai shit is really interesting as well um in part because yes like you know we 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 said it we, we said it was her um but it is also a lot of other things that like have been trying to be made happen for a long time i mean this is you know this is the this was the original promise of like um siri or alexa uh, or, you know, any of these like voice assistants, right? Like this was the idea of Siri. Like literally the idea of Siri was that you would have this like personal assistant in your pocket. Like they called it a personal assistant for a reason because it was meant to be like every, like democratizing having a, a PA, right? Like everybody has like an executive assistant um, for their life um, that manages their life and does everything that they want by by answer that at, at the command of a voice right like that like people also just don't use these things um in the way that that uh uh that these companies want us to but for them the reason why is because the technology is not good enough yeah oh the people why the reason why people don't use siri as this like um, you know, personal assistant that 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 is their interface with the internet and the whole world uh, is because the technology is not good enough. Oh, the reason why people don't use Amazon Alexa uh, is because the technology is not like it's always a technical problem for them. It's never a like a demand problem, right? It's never that like, well, maybe people just actually don't want this. <laughs> like this is like a really perverse way to interact with the world to be mediated um, by this this technology that is increasingly also made to be more personal and empathetic and conversational. Like it's meant to trick you into thinking that it's a friend. I mean, this is also the 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 Joaquin Phoenix her uh, kind of story as well. Is that like you know the more these things act as if they are your friend, the more that we are attuned to believe, yes, it is my friend. Um, it is conversational. It is actually empathetic and, and, and sentient in some way. And, but for them, that's always been the, like, like the technical solution is to improve the underlying language model, but also improve the overarching degree or design of it to make it more friendly, then then they're like, that, that, that will make people finally actually use this thing in the way that we that we want them to. In addition to the big number, once I started reading it, I was like, all right, I know, I know we got to bring this up on, on TMK because I, I think it is uh, really indicative of a lot uh, of the bubble that we're in because it's it's one thing like the last few months have seen a number of these like startups the thing that ties all of them together is that they are founded by people who were ex-employees at either um, like google open ai or meta right like that's the thing that ties them all together like if you were an engineer at google you and a couple of your friends could quit your job, come up with a startup, just a name, just a name uh, and a promise and and immediately get a hundred million dollars in in venture capital. Like this was happening constantly, right? Like uh, you know, you've got companies that you've never heard of before because they were only created in some cases, 
mere weeks before they raised a hundred plus million dollars, like Mistral, right? I think Mistral is that French um, startup that was founded by a couple ex Google and Meta engineers, founded like two weeks before it raised a hundred million dollars. I mean, just fucking insane, right? Like no product, just pedigree. That you're raising a hundred million dollars on pedigree alone, no product. When I saw that uh, uh, Inflection, a company I'd never heard of, and to be fair, Inflection was founded uh, just over a year ago. So, so you know, they they are an old, mature startup um, by comparison to all these other uh, uh, people in the game. So they were founded, you know, before ChatGPT. This is the epochs for the tech bubble. You know, were you were you be, uh, you know, were you BC um, or AC? Were you before ChatGPT or after ChatGPT? Uh, now, some inflections an old head um, by 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 these uh, comparisons. But what really drew me to him was um, who's leading the funding, but also who is the who are the founders. So, hundred, you know, one point five billion dollars in total. They just raised a one point three billion dollar round. That funding was led by Microsoft, Reed Hoffman, Bill Gates, Eric Schmidt, and Nvidia. Right. So heavy hitters leading the charge here. Also, I think indicative that the funding round was not led by a venture capitalist, but by Microsoft and Nvidia, along with three individual billionaires, right? Three of whom dabble in venture capital. I mean, Reed Hoffman's a partner, I think, at Greylock. Um, but also importantly, Reed Hoffman is a founder of Inflection AI. He's one of the three founders of Inflection. Um, yeah. Now, do do you do you do you remember who Reed Hoffman is? I feel like this dude gets a lot of uh um is this our like, LinkedIn boy? That's right. That's right. Like Reed Hoffman is just like, the Epstein like, flight logs. <laughs> he really flies under the radar um, a lot. But yeah, Reed Hoffman is the founder of LinkedIn and became a an instant like multi-billionaire when he sold the company to Microsoft and one of the largest tech acquisition deals ever. Um, I don't remember offhand, but it was in the tens of billions of dollars um, that w- when Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Yeah, he made a lot of money off LinkedIn. Then he leveraged that into connections with our, our our friend Jeffrey Epstein and helped facilitate his post-conviction rehabilitation and then did an apology tour in 2019 when the documents came out. Uh, a great guy. Also a PayPal mafia guy. He was on the oh. founding... He was a founding board member of PayPal, it where he was also executive vice president. So deep ties to all of our favorite people in Silicon Valley. Um, the alleged vampires, on- you know, all, the, all right. those folks. He's he's uh you know he's got deep South African ties. If, if uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean the ones that sound like this. <laughs> um, that should be our uh, <laughs> that needs to be like a euphemism for <laughs> for tech guys. Oh 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 him oh I heard he's got deep South African yeah, ties. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah that's that's our that's our favorite apartheid billionaire. Elon Musk, everybody. Elon Musk. Um, but Reed Hoffman also has like really, in addition to everything that we've just said, has also really like reinvented himself as a big thought leader for for scale. Like he's a big like startup thought leader. So he's got 
you know, a very popular podcast called Masters of Scale, where he like interviews startup founders and entrepreneurs and people. He's also off co- he's also been the uh, co-author of four books: um, The Startup of You, The The Alliance, Blitzscaling, and Masters of Scale. So he's one of these people that's really behind the idea of like blitzscaling, right? Like the the whole purpose of a startup is to grow um, as exponentially and quickly as possible. The Startup of You is so insufferable of a name. Yeah, he does love scale. I mean, that, you know, and I feel like LinkedIn is also probably one of those websites where scale, in theory, sounds great as like a value proposition. But, you know, usually when people are communicating scale, they're talking about like an ability to trap people in to some ecosystem and then they flip it and present it as if it's an ability to communicate and compel as many people as an ecosystem. But LinkedIn is a really good example where you kind of see the clarity of it where it's like, okay, like let's say you do like LinkedIn has scale. What is the value of the scale of LinkedIn, right? Ostensibly, it's supposed to be a real world network that allows you or it's a simulacrum of real world networks that allow you to filter out noise and connect to people far and wide to find job opportunities to connect with like-minded entrepreneurs to spontaneously um, combust into innovation and capital Um, you know but the reality is uh, it ends up being like almost any other social media network and you know like real life in, in, in a few ways but not but, but enough of a difference in the way that social media and physical, you know, socializing are and that uh, the vast majority of it is noise uh, and hype cycles dominating whatever else is uh, steering the interest of investors. Right. And not like actual, you know, this idea behind scales that you, the larger these things get, the larger the communication and systems and the networks grow, the more closer to the truth uh, and some ineffable desire of the public and the demos you get to access when in reality it's just like you get just got a better front view seat to the hype cycles crypto generative ai those the things that come every season are the things that dominate and not any real deeper insight truth or connection or collaborative effort which but i'm sure his books also are spend many many words arguing against that notive mo- um, notion and insisting that scale actually is good um and a human plus a hundred percent like scale is the the value above all else because growth is the value above all else and growth growth is good uh and and so all right so we got reed hoffman right i mean one i i don't know if i trust a personal ai that was you know co-founded by the uh the founder of LinkedIn, right? Like, you know, what well, I mean, LinkedIn is the most cursed of all the the social media sites. Do I do I really want an AI that is like trying to be a fucking, you know, personal life coach for me, but like a LinkedIn style personal life coach? LinkedIn gets uh, uh, link, LinkedIn also flies under the radar in a lot of ways because like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook get all the attention. But LinkedIn is home of some of the most psychotic posting um, that, that you could possibly imagine. All of it coming from um, like, uh, you know, 
consultants at Deloitte or something like that, right? Who have the most insane fucking ideas because they have spent so much time huffing their own farts um, that that they that they think that shit really do smell like roses, but also they've got a little bit of brain damage from the oxygen deprivation as well. Well, I think I think we could all do, you know we would all learn something about ourselves and social media if we did suffocate for a minute and lost some brain cells. <laughs> I think we would know that we'd find some interesting things out about the similarities between how that feels and how it feels to be on social media. <laughs> That's uh, uh, what in Australia we call nangs, which are like right. the, the, the cream, the, the nitrous mm. oxide creamers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Right. Uh, whippets whippets that's right i forgot oh, what yeah. they called it in the u.s even though um i de- you know illegal I, I, that's what they call them. <laughs> yeah that's what they call them um <laughs> well, no, actually i think they're legal i think you can buy them actually at the store well you can buy them but i think it's illegal to like do them for recreational purposes but i Wink. definitely yeah i definitely know that the uh um, the porn shop and like the the combination porn store head shop that was next to my college uh, mm-hmm. in upstate New York um, also sold uh, whipped cream canisters. Um, yeah, because you know, because that's where you go when you gotta fill up your your. You, oh shit, my whipped cream canisters are empty. Uh, where? Uh, well, there was. Me, um, me, I'll go to the porn shop and get some more. <laughs> there was when I was in um, Hampshire College. I remember there's this guy who got kicked out of the dorms um, for a multitude of reasons. I forgot you went to that fucking hippie, no grades uh, (laughs) college. Oh, you know about it? (laughs) Yeah, we fucking no one has grades. I had a um, I had a friend who went there and got a degree in gardening. Oh, that's funny. That's I should have done something like that. I tried to recreate a, a PPE program. <laughs> I didn't get you just the tried to do a fucking like. Uh, <laughs> you tried to become like a Tory uh, member of Parliament, <laughs> like, but at Hampshire College. <laughs> um, and uh, this guy that got thrown out of the dorms must have been my first year. Um, they were cleaning out his room, and I've and like. I'm gonna, I'm not fucking around when I tell you every possible box, every possible container was filled with whippets canisters. I mean, like <laughs> I'm, this guy, tall as shit, maybe like six nine, six ten, box tall of him, tall as him, and about one foot wide and one and a half feet long, full to the brim with whippet canisters. His drawers, whippet canisters. Another box that was underneath his, um. Uh, his bed whippet canisters the desk whippet canisters the bed frame because <laughs> the mattress was gone for some reason whippet canisters everywhere my man was single-handedly propping up the entire nang uh, yeah. economy in oh, the yeah, northeast yeah, yeah. in yeah. new england <laughs> he, yeah they, he gave someone a competitive advantage that's for sure there was a nurse's assistant in new orleans in 2010 or 2011 that got arrested she stole an entire H tank worth of nitrous and was filling balloons out on Frenchman Street during Halloween one year dressed as a fairy. She cleared like that a- entire bottle within an hour and everybody took pictures and shit and she got fucking arrested. Her dumbass got arrested for it. Damn. Out there like Party City, but with a fucking nitrous tank. Oh yeah. We're gonna party tonight, boys. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's go back to inflection because uh, I want to run down these uh, co-founders. I mean, so we got Reed Hoffman. I mean, also suspicious that Reed Hoffman was leading the fundraising round uh, yeah. in his uh, in his own company. Maybe maybe contributing to it, getting um, a one point three billion dollar round. Like he's it's like him money. in a top hat um, in another room, being like, "Oh, I want to donate." 200 billion <laughs> yeah more like him giving money like giving the left hand giving the right hand money you know um but you know a lot of other billionaires plus microsoft and nvidia well also we we microsoft needs uh deserves a lot more um blame for really being at the center of the AI hype cycle, right? Like, because it's because of Microsoft that we have open AI in the way that it exists right now, right? Like that $11 billion of investment that they gave open AI is, is the only thing propping up that company. I've seen reports that open AI's um, operational costs are at like $700,000 a day because of the compute cost. Um, all of that is being subsidized by Microsoft. I think I think we really need uh, Microsoft really needs to come in for a lot more fucking blame for uh, the entire generative AI bubble that we're in right now. Um, and with inflection AI being, uh, you know, very much another uh, an, another an, another problem that they are causing. But so we got Reed Hoffman. Um, the other. Uh, the, one of the other co-founders here, and I think this is really telling as well, um, and he's the CEO of Inflection AIs, Mustafa Suleiman. Do you know who Mustafa Suleiman is? No, I would like to uh, be told, though. I, he, I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. He co-founded DeepMind. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is the real like pedigree thing here, right? Where you got Reed Hoffman, who's already like a billionaire, already a billionaire because of Microsoft. Again, you know, going back to Microsoft's blame and all of this, like he's a billionaire because Microsoft paid out the ass for LinkedIn. But you've also got uh, you know Mustafa Suleiman here, right? Who is a uh, uh, surely a billionaire, uh, you know, because of Google, though, because Google's acquisition of DeepMind in 2014. Um, and so, you know, at DeepMind, Mustafa was head of applied AI. Um, he joined in 2019. He joined Google full time as the VP of AI products and AI policy. Uh, you know, wear, wearing both hats there. He's like, you know, I, I cover products and policy for AI. Um in addition to a number of other things, for whatever reason, he's a senior fellow fellow at the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs at Harvard's Kennedy School. So I, I feel like he's he's dabbling. I don't know a lot about him, to be honest, but I feel like he's dabbling in some like AI geopolitics type shit, um, which is why he would be, you know, VP of AI policy and products at Google, a fellow at the Belfer Center at the Har at Kennedy School. Um, you know, but also now founder or co-founder of a multi-billion dollar startup, Inflection AI, right? And then the third co-founder is uh, 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 Karin uh, Simonyan. Uh, and he is, uh, he was at DeepMind as well. Um, he was a principal scientist at DeepMind. Uh, he is 
a you know a kind of, he's a rock star in the machine learning world and and deep learning world he you know he's he's the real like the the big science brains of the outfit here like he is extremely well known very prestigious high uh over 180,000 citations to his work like you know he he's a real like you know leading scientist in machine learning um but he's been at deep mind and now at inflection ai where he's chief scientist right so like this is why this company has received i mean this is in part why this company has received 1.5 billion dollars in in funding because of its pedigree right and it's just come out of the it's just like kind of come out of nowhere I mean, I'd never heard of them. We professionally watch this space. I'd never heard of these people until I saw the Crunchbase news about this funding raise. But they've been quietly at work. They do actually, unlike all the other startups that are being founded by like ex-Google or ex-Meta, uh, uh, you know, ex-Microsoft, OpenAI, whatever, ex, you know, all, unlike all these other startups, um, with, that are just pure pedigree and promise. Um, Inflection does actually have a product um, that, that 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 is available uh, to the public, and you know they're still building it, refining it, um, and everything. But they do they do actually PI their personal intelligence is live, and you can use it. Um, and and I have used it a little bit. It, it is very much like ChatGPT, although like a uh, a far like nicer kinder friendlier com more conversational version of chat gpt like um they they really cranked up the like the friendliness parameters uh on on it to a new level which i think is very much part of the ploy here to make it personalized is to make it feel personable right like that's that's the ploy here is like it's bec it becomes personalized not necessarily because it's personalized to you in any meaningful way, but because you feel like you have a personal relationship with the product. And that's always been the sleight of hand with the uh, the idea that, like you know, these technologies. I, I mean, I talk about it in, in in my book, right? Like you know, the the trade off here is convenience and personalization uh, in exchange for um, you know not only data but also uh, uh you know handing over autonomy and power to the systems in exchange for these like kind of consumerist delights of personalization and convenience but more often than not what personalization actually means is that it feels personable to you or it feels personal to you because like your settings are saved right uh and it, you know like it's it's this kind of like personalization as um you know friendliness personalization as uh bespoke defaults uh you know o over time like it's not very often it's not any true personalization at least not on the consumer end of things but um i think that's really one thing that sets inflection apart and also why I think it was worth spending so much time talking about it in this episode, because I, I'm going to put my, my, my token down here that this is not the first, this is not the last time that we hear about or have to talk about inflection AI. They are really quite explicitly 
setting themselves up as a direct competitor to ChatGPT, um, but trying to take a new, a different lane where they want to be um, something that you carry with you all the time. Whereas I think ChatGPT is like really setting itself up as this like resource, maybe a way of like, you know, uh, like a like a, a a very helpful research assistant or or librarian or something like that, right? Where it's like an information source. Um, whereas uh, inflection is setting up Pi as being something far more than that, something that's much more personable, personal, uh, and like constant. I think they really want it to be something that is like. Um, I mean, they call it. Uh, in, in a blog post here that said that titled "Introducing Pi: Your Personal AI," which they wrote, um, a month it came out uh, two months ago. This blog post, so that's when they real this this is when they launched Pi two months ago. Um, the the uh, blog post says the first release of a kind and supportive companion that's on your side. Then they go on to say that Pi is a coach, confidant, creative partner or sounding board. Uh, Pi is a new kind of AI, one that isn't just smart, but also has good EQ. Uh, we think of Pi as a digital companion on hand whenever you want to learn something new, when you need a sounding board to talk through a tricky moment in your day, or just pass the time with a curious and kind counterpart, said Mustafa Suleiman. Right, I think this idea of EQ is really uh, uh, key here too for like how they're trying to differentiate themselves in this in this market is the idea that the um, the the AI has emotional uh, intelligence. It's 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 uh, it's not only intelligent, but it's uh, it's emotionally uh, intelligent as well. It has empathy uh, and 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 sympathy, uh, and you know it's friendly and all of the, like. Again, I think this is the key here to it being this personal AI or personal intelligence, as Pi stands for. It's actually more about it being like personable, being friendly, being, again, <laughs> I mean, we joked at the beginning about like her, but motherfuckers are really actually trying to build her uh, in, in this way, right? Where it's like, um, and, and I think I think a lot of this is like really deceptive design is what it ultimately is right like it's designed to because like they go on to talk about how pi is a number of things and one pi is none of these things because pi is a machine uh but they you'll know, routinely talk about it in these like extremely anthropomorphic ways and give it very human uh descriptors um so they they describe pi as kind and supportive curious and humble, creative and fun, all yours and still in development. So give us, you know, so, so, you know, give us a break basically. But one, a machine cannot be any of those things. It cannot be kind and supportive. It cannot be curious and humble. It cannot be creative and fun. And also this machine is definitely not all yours um, unless you built it and you are funding its operation. It is not yours by any, any means. Are you sure? Maybe that's the wrong attitude. It's, it's all ours. You know, maybe I don't own it or maybe I don't benefit it from an economic or material or social sense, but it's ours because, you know, I'm, hel I'm helping build the next AI angel that's going to sit on all of our, our 
our shoulders and, and, and tell us, you know, right from wrong and good and bad and up and down. Like, isn't that worth something, Jathan? It is some real Jiminy Cricket type shit, um, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I know we talked, like, we've banged this drum over and over. Like, we talked a lot about this uh, when we picked apart the the Kissinger, Schmidt, and Huttenlocker essay about them, like, describing these AIs in very, in hype, in not, in like hyper anthropomorphic ways, right? By which I mean, like, in like, be like, like beyond human, they are human plus, they have all of the characteristics of humans plus a lot more. Um, and you know, which makes them into like, yes, angels or gods in some way, right? The idea though, that like, um, this is going to be your own personal Jesus. You can talk to it. It's your friend. It's your savior. It's your companion. Uh, and it's always in your in your corner. Uh, we've already seen people develop these kinds of relationships with ChatGPT. And OpenAI is actually really like fully trying to go a, the other way, at least in their their marketing and their 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 kind of like PR around it. We're like, no, ChatGPT is a machine. It like has these limitations. It's it's not your friend. It's not your. It's it's a machine. It's a resource, right? Like they've really tried to tamper down on this idea that they are building something that's like deceptively trying to trick people into like trusting it or building relationships with it. But we've already seen this happen. I mean, your favorite. Uh, well, both, one of our favorite uh, people to ever live, Masayoshi Son. Did you see that? You know, SoftBank is uh, saying they're they're going back on the o- offense mode. Um, mm-hmm. But did you also see that Masayoshi Son has been ha- building the like an intense relationship with ChatGPT? Did you read about that? I did not. What the fuck? Oh, somebody checking on my man. I could fix him. I could fix them. Bro, you got to look into this. I'll give you like off the top of my head what I remember reading about. But um, uh, so this this year, uh, just this year alone, uh, Masayoshi-san has already uh, created hundreds of inventions um, and plans to create, I think, 600 inventions in total, like ideas, like, like ideas for inventions by the end of the year. And he's doing this by having... Um, long daily, late into the night conversations with ChatGPT, and his whole goal is to use uh, to have like in his conversations with ChatGPT, uh, create ideas for inventions that get ChatGPT's approval and support. Where where ChatGPT says, "Masa, this is a good idea," and then he's like, "Ah, oh, yes, that's one of my inventions." Um, and, and he's created a 24-hour hotline at SoftBank um, that he can call uh, and that is uh, to relay uh, his invention ideas at any time of the day or night. Oh, my God. And then, and then people have to, like, like, make a record of it. It's like those fucking little memes where someone is, it's like in a dark room, dimly lit, backlit by the blue screen. And then you hear them clacking on the keyboard, and then they click it and smile as the computer says, you are a great son, and I love you. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what he's doing, but with ChatGPT. You are a big boy, and your ideas are totally awesome. You will not lose money next quarter. That's right. So... 
our, our friends over at Trash Future just recently had a really um, fantastic episode where uh, they went much deeper into the absolutely insane and bizarre relationship that Masayoshi Sun has developed um, with ChatGPT um, as he goes on offense mode. Uh, and and the, But like as insane as that sounds, this is literally what Inflection AI uh, is building uh, their, their conversational bot, chat bot to create those kinds of relationships. They want all of us to be Masayoshi Sun hanging out with our uh, our AI girlfriend, confidant, companion, coach, creative partner, and personal savior. I think he's going to save us. I think you know. Last time he spent 140 billion dollars on artificial intelligence, and it was a it was a dub. It was a massive L. But listen, I think we should let him spend another 140 billion dollars of other people's money. See what happens. You know. Um, no, I think on a more serious note, though, uh, Masayoshi Son's over-reliance on ChatGPT, um, on one level, my instinct is to ma- like laugh, and, I, and, and it's a dominant one to laugh, because like this is a man who um, gets lucky and gets rich because he has so much money that he uses capital as a weapon to create the environment that suits himself until something material takes hold. Um, but even then he's not able to take advantage of it because of how bad the instincts are and how much more money he pours at these things and how fundamentally unprofitable or, or unworkable the economics are. Um, you know, to the point where you can have a company like Uber or Lyft, you know, or, you know, I mean, Uber because he invested in it, but you can have a company like Uber, which is like, you know, unless there's like a grant, like an upending uh, reform or revolution in this, in this domain, it's probably going to be uh, hard to dis- uh, displace part of infrastructure in urban life as much as that pains me to say, and that's not a good thing. Um, but, you know, that can be a reality and he's still not going to be able to make like a good, like, leverage that into a greater return but this is someone who's doing all that they've created bubbles off of gut instincts and now they're having a chat bot that mimics human speech um basically they're having a giant chinese room that hallucinates for lack of a better metaphor tell them that those instincts are even better than like what the best yes men would have been able to like that is I don't know if he's going to be able to create the same sort of bubble because the larger macroeconomic conditions are not the same, but it will be interesting to see what his singular influence alone can do now that we don't have the era of venture capital money flush everywhere, right? Like what can Masayoshi Sun and his networks, his disciples, his acolytes, his, uh, you know, uh, sycophants, his fans, um, you know, what would they do and what can they make happen when the larger macroeconomic environment is against them? This, this, this second round, or technically third round, this second round will actually be on some levels much more interesting, I think, mm. if he doesn't I, lose his nerve. I think so. Also, because like he's not alone in this. I mean, like there's like, you know, Masa's just getting back into the game, but this whole bubble has been happening without Masa, without SoftBank, right? Like, 
Um, and so like, and it's bigger than ever before. Um, it's, it, it, I think it's bigger it funny than that all he, of like, the other bubbles. He made a bubble for gig economy and for platform tech. Uh, then he missed out on the bubbles for crypto and uh, generative artificial intelligence. I think that's that's kind of beautiful. And now he's going to try to like double down and maybe, you know, God willing, in, uh, inshallah, burst the bubble ahead of time. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I know we've been spending a whole episode talking about a, yet another fucking con- like generative <laughs> AI so conversational sorry, startup. <laughs> um but i think this one is a big one like inflection ai like chat gpt is always going to have the early starter uh you know uh, advantage here um you know they're they're already you know the 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 household name and all of that but i i i I think inflection we're going to hear a lot more from it just because of the sh- not like because of a number of reasons. I mean the the sheer amount of money, $1.5 billion that's been pumped into it by people who really have a lot of power and influence um, in the sector and also over just like every like everyday consumer and enterprise technologies. We're talking about Microsoft and NVIDIA. I mean NVIDIA is like the darling of it all right now. If they're throwing a lot of money and weight behind inflection, right? Like not to mention Bill Gates, uh Eric Schmidt, and then having the founders be, you know, Reed Hoffman and Mustafa Suleiman, Karen uh Semenyan, right? Like, you know, those are really big fucking founders, right? Like they they got a lot of pedigree, they got a lot of momentum, they got a lot of weight to pull, um, and they've been building that. You know, they are not like no like no name engineers. These are fucking brand name billionaires um, who are founding a company, right? So I think there's there's a lot there for why this is going to stick around, but also I think too is the way that they are differentiating themselves. Um, technically, but also ideologically, uh, is really important here. I mean, we are seeing a lot of the. I mean, remember the fucking um, the bad old days where Silicon Valley really benefited from um, the making everybody believe that they were going to save the world, right? I mean, this is the heyday of um, solutionism um, that Morozov was you know writing about and kind of putting a capstone on in 2013. But we are back. You know, we are back in 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 that in a, in a big way, because um, I, I mean, it, it's really telling. You know, it's not only the things I've been talking about around inflection, trying to build this personal AI that is like explicitly trying to be your girlfriend, companion, coach, and personal savior, all with like a very friendly um, overuse of exclamation marks, uh, you know, kind of style. And I did, uh, I did play around with Pi for a little bit too. I had some conversation with it. Um, and, and I was not too impressed uh, with the caliber of its responses, if I'm being honest, but I was, but it is really telling the style of its responses are all extremely and overly friendly, uh, and, and using emojis, uh, as well, right? Like, you know, really trying to portray this, like, I'm a small bean AI, um, please don't hurt me. I just want to be your friend uh kind of uh way but also this is i think the the revival of solutionism here the revival of um of savior complex 
So not, you know, Inflection AI is also run as a public benefit corporation, a PBC, which means um, I'm quoting here from a blog post from the website where they say, it means we have a legal obligation to run our AI studio in a way that balances the financial interest of stockholders, the best interest of people materially affected by our activities, and the promotion of our specific public benefit purpose. That purpose is to, quote, develop products and technologies that harness the power of AI to improve human well-being and productivity, whilst respecting individual freedoms, working for the common good, and ensuring our products widely benefit current and future generations. This is the whole fucking bullshit around open AI as well, being like, our fiduciary responsibility is to humanity. That means that we are capping all profits at 100, uh, 100x uh, per invest, you know, for investments, right? So it's like, okay, cool. So Microsoft uh, is capped at $1.1 trillion for their current investment in terms of the profits they can get. Um, I'm feeling real good about that, you know, or whatever. But uh, I, I think really uh, telling here as well that we're seeing a revival along with the bi big bubble, the massive money. Um, we're seeing a revival of uh, of solutionism of savior complex but i think importantly as well with better technology like i mean the technology is not great but it is really heads and like head and shoulders above what people were doing 15 years ago 20 years ago when silicon valley said they were going to save the planet right like the stuff they are building now is not the fucking civilization ending um, you know, atom bomb, uh, but it is far more advanced um, than what they had 10, 15, 20 years ago, far more powerful with a lot more fucking weight behind it to roll it out into our daily lives, into our work lives, into our personal lives, into our relationships. I don't think it's a coincidence as well that many of the companies behind or companies behind it, the billionaires behind it, these things, funding them, founding them are people who made their billions by doing this kind of everyday consumer and enterprise technology. It's search, it's social media, it's productivity uh, software, right? Like these things that we have to use not things that we get a choice to use it's things we have to use that gives them a direct avenue to work this kind of fucking you know personal ai bullshit into all of that right um and they're doing that really explicitly i mean i think this is this is why microsoft is spending so much money on this shit this is why um you have all these ex google engineers and uh quitting and starting their own startups right like you know, this is why you have these social media billionaires like Reed Hoffman getting in this game, right? It's also why you have people like Eric Schmidt who are deep in the military industrial complex getting in on this, you know? I know we keep talking about it and that's because we have to, because I don't think it's going away. And I really think inflection is, um, I think inflection is, is something we will talk more about. I think it's something that's going to get more attention. It's going to expand and grow. Um, I think it has the potential to be an actual competitor in some ways to chat GPT uh, um, or, and, and, you know, I don't know, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball here, 
but all of the signs are pointing to me that like the 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 political economy and the kind of tech uh, of the technology here is such that like you know this sh- th- th- this is uh only going to become something we have to like confront more and more um you know it's 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 no chat gpt is no longer the only game in town um and i i think inflection ai is for me far above like you know bard or whatever like i i do think inflection ai and pi is is uh you know has potential to be one of the the biggest kind of competitors here that we also now have to like talk about and grapple um and 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 you know be concerned with yeah i think that's a really good point you made about how you know um a lot of attention has been focused on the chatbots and algorithms that are spinning out of tools that are forced upon us um social media platforms uh work uh you know office suites whatever the fuck you call those programs i don't even know like what the formal name for that type of program is that you have to use uh, to do work better but um uh you know these are the personal assistants these are the uh search engine optimizers these are the you know uh, platform engagers that are going to be kind of like the platonic ideals in one way or another. But like you said, there are other things that those things are not going to be able to do well, right? They're not going to really provide AI companions, AI girlfriends, um, AI tutors, um, these sorts of other classes of artificial intelligences that are not artificially intelligent, but nonetheless will be seized upon by large, well-capitalized firms eager to take advantage of people's imagination and the gap of understanding between what's technically feasible what we're technically capable of and what we should even like be interested in pursuing um and like why these things would be designed in the first place right and what is actually going to be done or how they're actually going to be constructed what they're actually going to offer or how they're actually going to be used or how you're actually going to be expected to engage with them right you know i think i think i think you're right that it's like hard to anticipate what the crystal ball is but like you can broadly see like you can probably i think it's fair to anticipate that like on the one hand you'll have these sort of like productivity algorithmic functions and then you'll have these attempts at like helping algorithms order or provide order to your leisure or depth to your alone time or connectivity to your uh to match your loneliness or productivity in a leisure form, right? Saying, oh, we're going to help you learn a new skill. We're going to help you learn how to, uh, you know, like they, I met someone whose, whose friend is making a, a chat GPT app that like basically constructs messages for you to send on, um, on dating apps, right? On dating and hookup apps. And, um, you know, like I think of that as like a small example of how like people are just going to be taking the chat GBT, the kind of stylized large language language model, able to generate generate like passable human speech, and apply it to other tools branches that these office companies, that these social media companies are not going to pursue initially. But that like might fall under their purview, much in the same way that maybe Facebook, you know, eventually said, "Oh, we can make a dating app," and of course flubbed on the dating app, or we can make a marketplace and um, an Instagram, and then flubbed on the marketplace. Slowly, these things will be the providence of other competitors, and then we'll have to see how the regulatory fight shakes out. 
and whether the other competitors will be shut out, bought up, acquired, merged with, um, competed with illegally by stealing their tech, as a lot of the companies also do, and then what clones, alternatives um, will be provided in the coming years, right? Yeah. It's it's the proliferation of this uh, through all of these uses. I also think importantly, like we have to think beyond consumer usage as well, right? Like you know, having having a her style device that is like uh, you know doing everything for you rather than like uh, having multiple different apps, right? It's just one, and so you know she you know uh, uh, the the chatbot is helping you craft your Tinder message, but also helping you manage your calendar, but also helping you learn a new language. Like all you know, that's the dream here that they have. But I think we also have to think deeper beyond like how are these things worked into um, other infrastructures and decision making processes that really, really matter um, in sectors that we have like no uh, transparency um, or port of view into. A big thing with like OpenAI and Inflection is the same as they have their you know these APIs. You know, Inflection talks about how they've you know they they've introduced a what they call a conversational API um, designed to prove provide developers and businesses with access to our state of the art lang- large language models. The idea here though is also to create like siloed models. Um, that are trained on specific data, like proprietary data, specialized data. So it can then be used for specific purposes, um, you know, in ways that are not intermingling or or affected by the broader outside world, right? So you have these like specialized silo models. And, and I've heard um, in interviews I've done uh, in the insure tech and, uh, and insurance industry, I've I've heard people explicitly talk about like, you know, what if we can create a, a, a large language model, you know, going off of an open AI uh, API um, that is specialized to our company, you know, to the uh, company, you know, it's, it's built off of the, you know, uh, company's proprietary models and information and everything um, such that it becomes this like, unifying single chatbot uh, window for um, all of the company's information systems. And in other words, what that looks like in practice, as somebody I interviewed um, kind of gave me this example was, you know, what if, you know, you could decide we don't want to, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing some data here that it might not, that it's not very profitable um, or it's it's getting too risky to write policies for this specific demographic, right? Let's say like you know people over sixty in Dallas, Texas, right? Like you know we don't want to write like healthcare policies for people over sixty in Dallas. Um, and so you know then the 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 person was like, you know, what if you could just type into a a, a chat GPT style uh, window that says you know, uh, you know, insurance GPT. I don't want to, you know, I don't want our, co- our company to write uh, health policies for people over 60 in Dallas anymore. And insurance GPT says, you know, all right, 
uh, I'll go and I'll, I'll change all of our models. I'll change our policies. Uh, I'll do the data crunching and I'll, you know, um, and, and all of that is done now, you know, like, so in other words, like, what if you can have this like super conversational, um, interface to these extremely complex backends of like information systems, decision-making systems, um, you know, the, the, the modeling of, of, you know, the actuarial modeling and pricing of risk of data, like all of this stuff that is extremely technical, often spread across multiple legacy systems, not super interoperable, requires like a whole army of, uh, of, of really specialized experts across multiple disciplines in order for, and takes a lot of time and human power, human hours to make that kind of, to make something like that happen. For a CEO to say, this is what I want and for it to turn into reality, now it you know it's a very complex process at this point. Their idea is like, what if instead the CEO just has a chat bot, like a, a chat GPT window that never has to directly interface with any of these backends, but instead lets an AI do it for them. And so you you're only interfacing at the front end through a chat window, and then the AI is going and doing all the stuff at the back end. That suddenly starts looking like handing a lot of fucking material decision-making power over to an AI, right? Like, I mean, sure, these companies are already hyper-proprietary and black box and opaque in their decision-making anyways. And also, there's already a lot of things that happen in them that, like, you know, people in the company have no window into, right? Like, like I'm not saying these these companies are, are models of a of a glass box where you can see and understand everything that's happening in them. But this kind of like future that was being described to me and really like, Hey, th- like this is like, you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon, but like, this is the aspiration. This is the goal. What if this is, you know, what if we could do this? Um, that, I mean, that, 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 I think that's where you start getting like rubber really hitting the road in terms of the, like the consequences of these things um, and what happens when that personal that that AI that's doing all the back end for uh, actuarial underwriting or for credit applications or for um, home loans or rental app like what you know what if the AI doing all this is also like you know re- re- really uh, uh, hey I'm, I'm I'm curious and I'm humble and I, uh, I I'm all, I'm always trying my best and I'm your friend and you know like it just adds a bit more of a of a strange layer to to that interface um, a, a layer that kind of is designed to prevent you from asking any questions or getting any uh, answers in return that I think that's where we need to start thinking about these things in terms of their applications not just in our daily lives. Hey, like, you know, I'm searching the web by typing into a chat window. That's really fucking weird. Um, but also more like, hey, there are people who are already actively. I've also talked to people in finance who are like actively using chat GPT to help them manage uh, and, like their their jobs. Right. Um, like. Yeah, we've already got people who are actively using these things with the aspiration and ambition of it being like a like 
uh, an interface into a backend that nobody but an AI has access to or the ability to understand or manipulate. And they're doing so being like, that would be really fucking good. We're doing this. This is not. A, this doesn't bode well. This doesn't. I don't feel good about any of this. And the problem for us is always trying to figure out what what what's the smoke and mirrors and what's actually like real, right? Like, I think inflection AI is the same thing. Like, despite all of the money and the pedigree of its founders and the partnerships that they've already created and and, and the product that they're already you know released and and refining and expand despite all of that like what's the smoke and mirrors versus what's actually like real material consequence and conditions like i i think it's like constantly a moving target to figure that out it's 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 constantly it constantly requires uh, uh never being certain of your answer to 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 it right and that makes it really also makes it really hard and is always putting us at a disadvantage at the end of the day. Yeah, if only we had hundreds of millions of dollars so that we could design the direction of technological innovation and then talk about it here. If only. Instead of having to spend more of my more of our life and time uh learning about and talking about the shit other people <laughs> they're they're doing to us. <laughs> well if we could do something to them for once. I got some things I want to do. Well, I don't know. I th- I think we we've been going long enough, um, and I I really don't want to talk anymore about this <laughs> right now. <Fair. laughs> yeah. um, but but let's. I I will. You know, I'm I'm so I will be so happy to be proven wrong. But I am gonna put a token down that I feel like this is uh, uh, inflection AI is is a name we will um, hear much more um, as things continue. They've only been around for two. They they were founded over a year ago. They've only their products only been around for two months. They only just now got all of this fucking funding. So it's really sky's the limit for um, how much uh, uh, attention uh, they can get and how much uh, terrible uh, shit they can cause uh, that we will all then be forced to uh, confront and talk about. I, I feel like with the, the the pedigree and the amount of money that they've raised. I think in about a year we're going to be complaining about how this shit is is everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely the goal here. Um, like, I can totally see it being like baked into already existing products, right? Like, that's the thing with a lot of this, uh, with these, with these technologies. These, like, you know, they can they can be baked into existing products. That's the that's kind of Microsoft's whole game plan here. Um, which means that the rollout can be um, as easy as a software update, right? With new, with, you know, all new features. Well, well, I'll put that token down now. I'll, I'll, I'll go uh, uh, when I'm in Vegas later in the year. You know, I'll place a bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I I hope to be proven wrong. As with most things we talk about on TMK, I all I all I am always praying to be proven wrong. It would be nice if you or I were wrong. It would be nice if we put down the monkey paw. We but we would like to put down the monkey paw. Hmm. Hmm. It's actually good to me when I'm wrong. You know. <laughs> that means things weren't as bad. Yeah. So all right. Well, we'll 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 wrap things up there. Um, the, the, the life and times of Pi. uh, thank you all for listening. You can find us at patreon.com slash this machine kills for additional premium episodes every single week. Uh, so find us over there. We've got some really fun stuff. Um, some fun episodes have been coming out over on the, the Patreon. Um, so <laughs> as Jeremy said, if you're, if you're tired of the pessimist club, go over there where we're still pessimistic. Uh, but but also fun. but we also have some jokes and and and, and japes as well. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't I don't think of it as pessimism. I I I I I'm really you know, it's it's re- it's it's realism. You know, it's it's. Uh, I have an optimistic vision of the future. It just is not um, manifesting right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. I like that. That's what I'm gonna say. Actually, I'm an optimist. Uh, it's just the optimism is not manifesting at this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll catch you next time. Later. Adios. Yo, 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 yo,